The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm, and he's a mall show. We've got a big show on tap today. EJ Haradik, a senior hockey analyst for the NHL Network, is going to join us in about 45 minutes to discuss the game of the century four that we had last night in Denver, as well as a big matchup tonight on the island between yeah. Boston and the Islanders, a chance to eliminate Boston and make it for a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference final between the Islanders uh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning that closed out Carolina last night. But I want to start on the NBA hardwood, uh, yep. Amal. 76ers were able to tie the series, uh, beating the Hawks last night. So they go to Atlanta 1-1. Just missed on the Ben Simmons uh, total yep. points, assists, and rebounds. Did drop. he play? Four, three Four. shots in 35 minutes. I, it's, it's unbelievable. I think it's in his head right now mentally. Those missed free throws the other day, terrible at the free throw line, three for 10. But how about Joel Embiid? Played like an absolute man inside, dominating this basketball game. He's the difference for this Philly team. Harrison Curry doing a tremendous job as well for them. But Ben Simmons, if you're available, would you mind joining the rest of your teammates in Atlanta? Did Embiid answer all questions about his health last night? I think he did, absolutely. That was my one concern and question mark coming into this one. I still thought Philly was going to be a play. I think their talent is still immense over Atlanta. Uh, but the fact that Ben Simmons completely took the night off, I, I think if you're going to perform like that, just just call out. Don't even bother showing up. Tobias Harris was a solid number yeah. two, 22-6-4, just missing his prop by a half point over 32.5 total combined. Amal, you said yesterday you thought it was the time to bet Philly in the series, only laying about $1.15 or $1.20. They won last night. Here's my question. Are you concerned about their ability to win in Atlanta, given the fact that the Hawks are 20-2 and two in their last 22 at home? That's an amazing stat. I didn't realize they've been playing that well. However, they've got to only win one game, Mike. They don't have to win three. They don't have to win two. They just have to win one and then win two back in Philadelphia. The first game, I thought you have to give Atlanta a lot of credit. Shot the ball well, played well. However, now Philadelphia is kind of getting into this series a little bit more engaged. We saw Joel Embiid play at the level he's capable of. Remember, Mike, this is still the team that had the best record in the Eastern Conference throughout the regular season. They've got a great opportunity here. Just have to win one out of three in Atlanta. I believe they win five and seven at home if it gets to that. Before the series started, you saw Philadelphia somewhere between a dollar ninety and two dollar favorite. The series price has readjusted. They're now a bigger favorite than they were pre-series at two fifty. Get back two dollars on Atlanta. These odds brought to you by DraftKings. Are you surprised having split the first two games at home? They're favored by more than they were the, before the series. Well, you know these are the same people that made Maria Sakari a, 
Sakari, a four, uh, three and a half, four dollar uh, dog today against Igor Sviatek. So I'm not really surprised by anything. Two fifty is an absurd price at this point in time, considering Atlanta now officially has home court advantage. I mean, I, I get it, the fact that Philly's one game closer to winning four, but so was Atlanta. If if you were looking at the series, and I know you think Philadelphia is going to win the series, but if you had made a bet yesterday on Philadelphia and say you laid one twenty for the series, yeah. you come back now and take two dollars on Atlanta yeah, and lock in the winner. Absolutely, and, and I'm going to do that, <laughs> even though I still think Philadelphia is going to win this series. I'll take a small play on the Hawks here to cover the Philly bet. There's no reason really to uh, risk that much. Just I mean, all you have to do is just for simple math. If you put 120 to win 100, all you have to do is throw down 60 on the Hawks, and you're going to get back your money that you put down on Philly to win the series. Game one of the Western Conference semifinals started last night in Salt Lake City. We saw the Clippers out to a fast start, really controlled that first half of play. Up 13 at the break, Utah rallies, uh, wins the game, but doesn't cover the number. Yeah, I tell you what, though, this was a missed opportunity for the uh, L.A. Clippers last night. I mean, you have a huge lead. You get outscored in the second half by 16, Mike, 65-49 by the Utah Jazz. Can't allow that to happen. Got up to a fast start, had a nice lead at the break, up by 13. Can't squander that. We talked about this team needing to have an important road win. They failed to do so. I feel like now they've gotten back into the mix of where they just kind of were in that Dallas series. Not because they lost the first game, just the way that they played in the second half. Give Mitchell credit, but I have a concern with Utah. Donovan Mitchell is a volume scorer, and he's not at the level of score some other guys in the league where he just takes a lot of shots and you can live with it. I mean, the problem for Utah is other guys are not getting involved. They're all sitting here watching Mitchell take 30 shots. Jordan Clarkson, second-leading shot, shot attempts at 18. From a series perspective, are you higher on the Clippers than you were pre-series or higher on Utah than you were pre-series based on last night's performance? Great question. And the line has moved now. Utah, which was a dollar forty, dollar thirty, dollar forty favorite, now up to two twenty-five for this series. You get a dollar eighty back on the Clippers. Yeah, I, I still think this is a tight, tough series. I really don't know who's going to win this one, but you have to give the Jazz the edge, not only because they have one game under their belt. Remember, they played without Mike Conley, and they also have the home court advantage, which to me in Salt Lake is huge. It's not like playing down in Atlanta where it doesn't make as much of a difference. For the Jazz at home, it's a huge difference. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's a Mall Shaw. We're talking about NBA playoff action last night. A big show on tap today in 40 minutes. EJ Raddick will join us from the NHL Network, their senior analyst, to talk all things hockey. Uh, Amal, let's talk about hockey right now. Yeah. Uh, last night we saw Tampa Bay, the defending Stanley Cup champions, go into Carolina and shut them out. Uh, you were on Carolina. You liked them at even money last night. Impressive performance by Tampa Bay, this team is really stingy on the road. They tend to game, give up goals at Emily, but on the road, they've been outstanding in the playoffs. Well, in this series alone, right, 180 minutes, they gave up three go- uh, two goals. Uh, I mean, they held the Carolina 1-1-0 one, one, and zero at home. Vasilevsky, going back to the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, where he got the shutout against Dallas, got the shutout against the Panthers, and now the shutout against Carolina in closeout games. I mean, they've done a tremendous job. Very impressed by what Tampa's been able to do. And then the other thing is, Mike, any team facing, whether it's Boston, New York, and then anybody that comes out of that Montreal, VGK, Colorado series, if you face Tampa, you cannot allow this team to go on special teams. Once again last night, Braden Point power play goal, difference in that one. They almost had a second goal at the end of the second period, just short by half a second on the clock. Uh, It was a, you know, they had to review it, no goal, but... To me, this team is going to be a really tough out. Vasilevsky, outside of game number, uh, was it four, where he kind of got in a little bit of trouble. That's where we had the eight goals in the second period. Exactly. This guy's been tremendous. I mean, you look at what he's been able to do. Now, the other good thing, if you are Tampa, you're going to be rested, right? Like, you're looking at Boston, obviously, playing a game six tonight. New York Islanders, they win. Probably start the series on the weekend, but you feel good. You don't have to travel. You're at home. I thought last night was a good night for Tampa in that setting them up to defend the cup, right? You saw VGK go into Colorado and win uh, a very tough game going to overtime. You have a rested Montreal team, and you're going to get rest going against either a Boston team that will have played seven games or an Islander team that will have played six or seven. I thought last night was a great night for Tampa Bay if you've got a future ticket on them. I tend to agree with you, and I look at right now the landscape of the National Hockey League. I think the Islanders and the Bruins potentially are going to be a very challenging team to Tampa. But I think Tampa special teams are better. I think Tampa doesn't take as many dumb penalties as Boston does. I'll I tell you what, you know, those, the bees just drive me nuts with the stupidity of penalties that exist. The Islanders, what I love about them is they're going to play a disciplined defensive game. They're going to really challenge you. They're going to capitalize on some opportunities, similar to what we saw out of Montreal. 
And I think you look at all the teams that are left now. We have six teams remaining. I think, Mike, all six teams have a legitimate shot to win it. I think there's some teams like Tampa, uh, Vegas, and Colorado in that order that are probably uh, much more, uh, uh, much heavier favorites by everybody. But to me, I think Tampa now is the team to beat. All right, last night in Denver, the huge game number five. We see teams that win game five in a seven-game series tied 2-2 in the NHL. Close to 80% of the time they win the series. VGK trails 2-0 going into the third. Colorado totally dominated the second period. Fleury gave up a very weak goal with .8 seconds left at the end of the first, but was, I thought, outstanding in the second. That game could have been 4-5 to nothing Colorado. They come out, they get the turnover, they get a goal, they get life in the third period. They're able to tie the game. And they could get game winner on the stone breakaway in overtime. Amal, does this mean VGK will close it out here tomorrow at the Fortress in Game 6? Or is Colorado able to emotionally bounce back from that letdown and force a Game 7? I I don't know if they are. Because I, I didn't see much of the game. I saw the final five minutes in overtime. And I'll tell you what, one thing I noticed when Colorado was leaving the bench area after overtime, they looked like they had lost Game 7. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they lost Game 2. And Mark Stone made an interesting point, point. I saw some of the highlights on NBCSN after the game. He said Colorado could have been up 5 nothing. And if you look at some of the opportunities, I couldn't believe, uh, give uh, uh, him credit in terms of how well Marc-Andre Fleury played. But I thought also the Avalanche missed some opportunities. I didn't realize the goal they had given up. I think it was Saad at the end of the first period. Mm-hmm. It was .8 seconds. I, I just saw the... The box score on it. So it, 28 seconds from 40 feet away. Yeah. Uh, it was just a really soft goal. Fleury tried to go across his body with his glove hand and missed it, and it went over his right shoulder. Um, well, do you know what the line was in game after the second period? Yes, I took it. Okay, because remember, yeah, I said I'm going to talk about these betting opportunities, yeah. and I think knowing how to bet is more important than handicapping games to be a successful better. I have a friend of mine who will completely agree with you. All right, I had this in the playbook as a two-unit play. Yeah. I'd already won the baseball games, right? So mm-hmm. I was having and the, and 5 to 1 Arizona was up and I was laying a run and a half, right? So yeah. it looked like I had bet 700 to win 500 on this game. VGK was plus $9 at the end of the second period. I bet 100 on VGK. So I was either going to win 400 if Colorado won or 200 if VGK won. So, I mean, I lose 200 by them losing and over, but I locked in the winner there instead of losing 700. It's, it's not it was even, minus fourteen hundred plus nine hundred at the end of the second period. That's unbelievable. Uh, that that I, I you know honestly mm-hmm. I was thinking it was gonna be six hundred. Mm-hmm. I did not think it would be plus nine hundred. It. Well, it's not only you had to bet it. I said it yesterday. I said bet whichever team is trailing first in this game. Yeah. And it came to fruition. Now give uh, VGK credit. They bounced back in this third period. Did a great job. But I thought the missed opportunity. I was following. I was driving home. I see the power play for Colorado. And I said, if they don't score here, this is going to be a problem. We saw this happen over seven, and over again. When you, yes, when you three don't times, score yeah. on the power play, the other team comes back and wins in overtime. Now, this is the fourth consecutive game where a team's had a power play opportunity in the final 10 minutes of a third period, didn't score, and then the other team scores within the first three to five minutes of overtime. Let's take a look at the adjusted series price. VGK now minus 315 to win this series. If you think Colorado can win game six here in Vegas and then game seven in Denver on Saturday, you can get back plus 245. Um Nights are going to be, I've seen, about $1.40, $1.45 tomorrow night at the Fortress. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And, Mike, for me, I didn't see this game, but I read some of the post-game comments. It looked like Colorado was the better team. This was the night's second-worst game of the series behind Game 1. Colorado outshot them 2-1 in regulation. Yeah. Was it that much? I thought it was was a little bit tighter than that. I thought it was 28-24. Yeah, it was. Well, going. let's put it this way. It was 2-1 going into the third period, and the Knights got more shots. But it was close. It was it was more than three to two as it ends up going into regulation. Colorado dominated the second period of this game, and the Knights were on their heels as much as Colorado was on their heels here in Vegas in Game Four. Yeah, I tell you what, I don't know. I have to lean towards the uh, Vegas Golden Knights at this point in time. To me, when you look at it, it's a it's a situation where I think all the momentum is with uh, Vegas. They've won three in a row. If you're Colorado, you're on home ice. You got a two nothing lead, twenty minutes away. I mean, generally, you and I love these situations, right? You're up two zero. Yeah. Just hey, don't take any odd man rushes. Just clear the puck out of your zone and defend. Don't take any dumb penalties. It was very interesting. You you brought up the reaction of the Colorado players when they lost the game. My yeah. wife and I are sitting there watching the whole game at home. She commented to me when the game was over, "Look at them. Look at how dejected they are. Look at Grubar. He was just skating around in circles watching the replay of the yeah. Stone goal." The arena cleared out in three minutes. It was stunned silence there. I mean, you have a two to nothing lead in game five, and you're dominating a game. You're shocked that you don't come away with that victory. I, I tell you what, I, I'm really mad at myself. So many missed betting opportunities mm-hmm. in this series. VGK could have gotten them at five, six hours last night, the nine to one. Now, the last night one's a little bit more of an aberration, but the series price I thought was still a take because 
I talked about this, and I go always go back to that 2014 series between Oklahoma City and San Antonio. San Antonio was dominating two games to none, and it looked like they were ready to, for the NBA Finals. And the same thing here. Everybody was already trying to figure out, is the where's this uh, parade going to be, down Blake Street in Denver? I mean, they weren't even sure yet, and VGK comes back. All right, we've got two playoff games tonight, one in the NBA, one in the NHL. Let's take a look at the NBA game first. Game two in Phoenix. Phoenix took game one, obviously, coming back, rallying in the second half to beat uh, the Denver Nuggets. Phoenix now a $4 favorite in this series. We talked about it yesterday. It was plus $3, enough to take with Denver to overcome that one nothing, one nothing deficit and win that series. We see a five-point favorite again, almost an identical line as game number one, 210 on the money line. Your total adjusted up just a little bit to 223.5. Mike, I have no idea, and I, the reason I say that is I would like to take Denver in this spot based on the fact that they were better for two-and-a-half quarters, but give Phoenix credit, they were the better team when it mattered most. Phoenix has won their last three games by 60 combined points. This has been a dominant team. Two of those three games have been at home. And here's the other thing I like from a Phoenix perspective tonight. I think they come out and play strong in the first half. That was the key to their success. You pointed out yesterday in games five and six, they've gotten off to a fast start. Look, Mike, I'm not going to sit there and bandwagon this team and jump on this one yet. I still like the team coming out of the Clippers-Utah series to win and go to the finals. However, I think Phoenix is a lot better than I've given them credit for all year long. Would you tend to look at Phoenix minus three in the first half then on, on this game? Or no, I, I, no, I'm not. You know, I like the angle you take in the first five in baseball because it's all predicated upon the pitcher. Here's my problem with these first half bits in, in NBAs, unless it's certain situations where you have a Boston at home getting four and a half points against New, uh, Brooklyn in an imperative win situation. To me, you know, you could easily be up one, two, could be down two or three points. I just feel like Phoenix is going to come out and play with a little more aggression early on in this game than they did uh, the other night. One of the more popular things on this show has been Amal guesses, like when we were doing yeah. guessing lines with the NFL games. And having you guess the total points, rebounds, and assists for these players in these games, it can often lead to a play, but it's an interesting to get your thought process. Or a so, loss. Yeah, or a loss. <laughs> so let's start out with this game tonight, the Denver side of it. Nikola Jokic, who is the league MVP, as we thought, overcoming Derrick Rose in that, in that fan vote. Uh, Nikola Jokic, total points, rebounds, and assists them all. Uh, let's see, 25, probably 10 and 10, maybe 27, so about 46, 46 and a half. 47 and a half. Okay, that's a no play. Michael Porter Jr. 30, 33. 27 and a half. No, I got to, 27 and a half, I got to go over because if Denver's going to have a chance on this one, he's got to hit 20 plus points. So I, I, to me, he's got to be at about 23 and then he's got to contribute some rebounds. I'd go over on him. Aaron Gordon. Uh, what was he last time? Wasn't he like 19 or 20 or somewhere in that mm-hmm. range? Uh, let's stay with Aaron Gordon. Maybe he can re- uh, revive some of that University of Arizona skill set. 20 and a half. All right, the number's just about the same. All right, and the Phoenix side of it, Devin Booker. He was 39 and a half the other day, so they probably shaded him down a point or two. So let's go with 38, but I'm not going to play him. You know what? As a matter of fact, I'd look under on Booker. They were so balanced last time out. That was the key. Booker's got to score 30, unless you think he's going to get 5-5 five and five elsewhere. I would go under, uh, depending on if it's like 39. 38 and a half. Yeah, I'd go under. You'll get the cue that all of these have a half on them here. Okay, all right, thank you. Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, Chris Paul got to go mid-30s, 35 and a half. Well, then you like this over 29 and a half. Oh, I, I got to go over here. I okay. think Chris Paul's got to. He's not going to necessarily get a triple double. How many assists do I have? Okay. 12 assists is my number. Uh, 17, 18 points, and then grab some 18, rebounds. 12, and yeah, 5. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Absolutely. All right. And then uh, DeAndre Ayton. You liked him over last time. He went over easily. Yeah, it was 24 and a half, though. Uh huh. And is it 25 and a half? 26 and a half. Wow, that's a little bit of a bigger <laughs> adjustment. Uh, I'm going to go under on this one, but I don't. Not, look. Not a play. The, though. Not a play. No. Paul and, and Porter. Paul and Porter be two plays I would make here. Now, how about double-double? Yes, no on a double-double. Okay. Jokic. Yes. What would, you like? what, 1, would you what would you lay? What would you lay? What would you lay? 175. That's 335. Okay. I, I, I'm not laying 335. Okay. The guy can wind up with nine <laughs> rebounds. But, you know, I don't know if he's got a Russell Westbrook wannabe on his team trying to steal a board. Michael Porter Jr. Ooh, plus 150. Um, plus $4. You lay minus 625 on no double-double. You know, I haven't looked at his rebounding stats, but I think that's where the challenge comes in. He probably won't get a ton of rebounds. But that's not bad to take a shot on, right? Like, it's better than Jokic laying the points, even though Jokic almost seems like a slam dunk to get to the double-double. You know, the, with Jokic, the only thing that beats you on a double-double is an injury. Here's, a, here's one you might be interested in. Chris Paul, what's the yes that he'll have a double-double? Because you're saying 18, 12, and 5. You would lean double-double. I would. I would say minus $2. No, it's plus 150. 
did they not watch who the ball distributor on this team is? I'm taking it, that's a bet for you. That's a bet. Mark it down. Yes, on Chris Paul. And then uh, DeAndre Ayton. uh, 16 and 10. Uh, What is he about? Plus one, I don't know, 125, It's a pick. It's a pick. Slighted Shately, minus 118 on the yes for DeAndre Ayton. You know, I, I don't, to me, he winds up with 10 rebounds as easily as he does eight. It's like the same thing almost, right? They're interchangeable. Does he get that rebound? Could be a carom off the free throw. He tips the ball and somebody else gets a credit for it. Or the ball goes out of bounds, you get a team rebound, you you don't get the individual stat for it. Okay, let's shift to the one game on the ice tonight. We're going yeah. to Long Island. I mean, that arena was electric over the weekend. Absolutely. You know, they did well their first year under Trotz, but they had to play in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't get to experience the fans. I thought the fans made as much difference uh, on the island as they did in any arena, maybe outside of Las Vegas. Uh, so you have to, to factor that into the number tonight. This is game six, a chance to close out for the Islanders after they beat Boston 5-4 uh, in game number five in Boston. The Islanders to win the series, 225. If you think Boston can win two games, it's plus 180. Line on the game tonight, Boston still favored on the island. I was surprised by this, almost $1.40. The total of flat five, of course, you'll get a plus to the under. If you look for a five and a half, you've got to lay the juice on the under. Uh, don't you think, first of all, you've got to play the over? Mm-hmm. I do, because it's an elimination game. It's an elimination <laughs> game. 2-2, two, two, you get there. Uh, that, by the way, the best feeling in the world is when you got a five and you're just sitting there, 2-2, two, two, second period, or even lucky in the first period. But to me, again, I don't understand this. What is with the disrespect of the New York Islanders? Do, do these people who make the lines know nothing about hockey? How many games do the Isles have to win to beat you and you realize this team can play some hockey? I, I don't get it. I think the series is far too close, and I actually thought Boston might be a 115 or 120 favorite tonight uh, in this spot. I'm surprised at 140. I don't know where this number is going to go, if we're going to see more Boston money or not. But I think with this atmosphere, with a chance to close out for the Islanders tonight, this is almost a must-play if you can get plus 120 on the Islanders. I'm with you completely. When you look at this series, I mean, it's been tight. It's been competitive. But look at this. We've had three out of the uh, four, what, three games go to overtime? Two or three games go to overtime. And two, I believe. Two, two mm. go to overtime. I still think when you look at this Islanders team at home, uh, this is a team that you have to strongly consider in this particular spot. Yeah, games two and three went to overtime. Uh, three, three, and one, one were those two games consecutively, one in Boston and one in New York. Would you consider parlaying the Islanders with the over in this spot tonight? It's great play. Because love it. I love Boston it. will pull the goalie and keep them out even if they're down 4-1. Yeah, well, I'm not worried about if you're four one. You're at a push anyway, right? Yeah. If, if we let's assume three one, you're going to pull the goalie with five minutes to go. Exactly. Let's <laughs> assume for a second both teams are on the score sheet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you have one goal apiece. If somebody's up in front three one, you're going to have a pulled goaltender. Islanders might be down four one. It, it will probably be a push. But if Boston's down four one, you're still going to keep the goaltender out. It doesn't matter. Season's on the line there. I think this is a good opportunity on your play, the correlated parlay here. I think it makes complete sense. I think either way, if you like Boston, take the parlay. Take them both over. You take a shot because here's the one thing you got to remember. You've got to hold one team to one goal. And even if both teams get to two, it's like the Montreal game the other day. You know, at five and a half, you knew you had a winner, but you had Montreal like I did. You're like, hey, under in the, in the Canadians are a winner. Yeah, it's great to be in a situation like yeah. that. All right, when we come back, we're going to go behind the bets as well as them all in and the Palm Reader Playbook. A couple of uh, a couple of backgrounds on some baseball games we'll go in-depth with, as well as a mall's view of the Women's French Open now that the Bracken has really opened up this morning. All that is next on The Nuts here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back into the Nets. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Amal, let's go behind the bets in this segment and roll it right into Amal and the Palm Reader Playbook. Yeah, I want to start out. You were on this play yesterday, and the Arizona (laughs) Diamondbacks were laughing because they continue to be miserable. This team, Mike, just two runs yesterday. You know, I looked up at the scores. As as I was going home from dinner, I see the scores, and I see uh, Oakland's up 5-1. I go, Palm with an easy winner right here. (laughs) Because I said to myself, I don't believe the Diamondbacks could score four runs in 18 innings. And they only put up two spots in that one. Can I come back with Sean Manea today here at home against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks? Manea has been struggling, Mike. And when you look at his numbers over the last 20 and two-thirds innings, he's been terrific. 22 hits, just 14 strike, excuse me, uh, 14 hits and 22 strikeouts. But most importantly, only two earned runs. Now you're facing an anemic Diamondbacks team. Oh, now who are losers of six in a row? Six in a row, 18 in a row on the road. That's what I kept bringing. I, I can't believe. Nine, I think, what, 9 and 26 on the road overall? Yeah, four, they lost 14 in a row. They won a game and now six in a row. And, and you're laying 220, 215, or you're getting even money on the run and a half. And to your point, how many games come down to the to the one run? Yeah, and, uh, you know, as I say that, today's going to be the one-run game. But uh, batting average for this Diamondbacks team, just 233. The one thing, they will get a bit of an upgrade. You get a DH in there. So instead of a guy batting, uh, you know, 50, uh, you know, just under 150 there. You've got a situation where um, you're looking at a team that's going to be in real trouble. That plays here. in pocket for both of us. A's run line today, and that game goes at 1230 Pacific local time in Oakland. My behind the bets, I'm going to focus on a game between the Mets and the Orioles today in Baltimore. I'm fading the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey. I mean, he's been absolutely awful this year. Three and six with a 662 ERA, a whip over one and a half. 
Amal, he hasn't gone five innings since May 1st. All right? And Tyon Walker has been very good for the Mets. I mean, he was four, and we got beat by Darvish. He gave up three runs. Darvish gave up none in that game in San Diego. I don't think that's a big, big black mark against your record. Um, these two met on May 12th at City Field, the same pitching matchup. Walker went seven, gave up one earned. Harvey went four and a third, gave up seven earned. It's a dollar twenty-five on the road today. I can't pass up on this game. I'm with you. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I looked at this play and kind of just glossed over because I was so focused in on Oakland. I thought this has to be a play. I mean, when you look at this Orioles team, how much they're struggling. I'm not saying that the Mets offense is on fire by any stretch, but they're just not that good of a team, Baltimore. I mean, outside of means business, there's nobody you can be confident on betting. Josh Towers told us preseason, sitting right here in studio, that the Baltimore Orioles were Johnny Means and nothing else. He's right. And so far, he's been absolutely right. Um, let's put up the playbook for the Palm Readers. It's these two plays, just so everybody can can capture it uh, visually. One unit on both of them, minus 105A's run line. And, of course, the Mets with, with Walker. Let's list him, minus 125 against Harvey. Here's a spot. Where I'd actually list both. Yeah, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Because yes, I want to go against Harvey. Well, well, sometimes I will list the opposing pitcher. I do that as well if I'm fading somebody. Yeah, right. Like, I'm not worried yeah. about Walker. I like the fact that Walker's yeah. on the bump, but I don't mind as long as Harvey's starting. All right. And the Amalan segment, you have an additional play or two? Yeah, I've got a couple of additional plays. Obviously, the Oakland A's. But I went run line here. And then I went Anastasia Pavlichenkova. She goes tomorrow morning, uh, I believe, at about 5 a.m. Eastern time. Minus 165 against Tamara Zidancic. Love this matchup. Pavlichenkova has won 12 career titles in her uh, long career, uh, has had success, been around the top 10. I think she's just a far better player. This is an opportunity she wants to seize. Mike, she's got a chance to win a major. You've got Maria Sakari and uh, uh, Sakari on the other side, and, of course, Barbora Kruchova uh, on the other side. So a great opportunity for her. I like Pavlichenkova, minus 165. Take that one up to minus 180. And then the Islanders at a plus money price, minus one nine, uh, excuse me, plus 119. Thought this should have been closer to a pick-em, Mike, but I like the Isles here. Talk to me about the women's draw in the French Open right now. Obviously, you have the play here, minus 165 tomorrow. Um, Sakari, the only other seeded player still in the semifinals here. Who do you like to win it all with Swiatek obviously getting bounced this morning? Well, I've got Pavlichenkova obviously advancing to the finals. Yeah. Now, on the other side, Kruchikova against uh, Maria Sakari. I, it's going to be a toss-up, but I give a slight edge to Sakari just because she's probably the more talented player. Barbora Krachikova has been late on the scene this year. She's had a tremendous year, but not really that much of a great player prior to that. So for me, I'm going to go with uh, Maria Sakari here. I think she's got a great chance. And then in the finals, it's a complete toss-up. I think anybody could win it. Okay. On the men's side, we saw Rafa drop a set to yeah. uh, Diego Schwartzman today. Came back, gets a break late in the third, and then blanks him in the fourth set. Six love. It looks like he'll face Djokovic, who's going right now. They're loaded on that side of the bracket, right? And a reason why a lot of people took Tsitsipas was because he avoided the big three on yeah. his side. I know you have Nadal to mm -hmm. win it all. How confident are you still in Nadal? And is it Tsitsipas who will face in the final? I think it's, it's going to be Tsitsipas, but don't count out Alexander Zverev. He's dangerous. He's a big server. I know Clay negates a little bit of that serving prowess, but he's a guy who's been to a U.S. Open final, lost to Dominic team last year, as we saw, had a chance, had the lead in that uh, final set. Uh, but to me, I think you have to look at Rafa still on this. I mean, you know, you might have heard this once. Rafa's won here at the French Open. A few times. Yeah, a few times. All right, when we come back, a new segment here on the Nuts called Chase the Ace or Fade the Ace. We'll take a look at four aces that are going today, and Amal and I will tell you whether we're on them or against them. That's next on the Nuts. All baseball season is in full swing, so it's the perfect time to work on cashing tickets every day. Our VEASAN experts give you all the tools to make the most of every bet, including live odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com slash MLB and our daily members-only best bets emails. Thanks to Bill 80 So busy, but got my plays in there this morning. Now is the time to start your free trial and take advantage of all the betting opportunities this baseball season at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. One of those experts, Josh Towers, will be joining us in studio tomorrow as he always does on Thursdays, to talk about all things MLB, macro, and his picks for the day. Uh, and that's what we're going to tackle right now. We're going to tackle the MLB slate. This is a new, new segment here today 
called Chase the Ace or Fade the Ace. We have four aces going today, Amal. We're going to take a look at the breakdown of each of their games and whether you want to chase this ace or fade the ace. Well, you're pretty liberal on determining who are aces, huh? Well, I don't know. I mean, is Garrett Cole an ace? Let's start off in yeah, San Diego. Let's go in chronological order. Start start off in San Diego. Game that's going to go at noon here in the West Coast, 310 on the East Coast. Fake tough guy, Jake Arrieta for the Cubs. <laughs> you saw my line. Takes on my man, <laughs> UU Darvish. Uh, we see the Padres here, big favorite. 210. 210 today uh, against the Cubs. Arietta's been awful. I mean, he's he's only gone three and two-thirds in his last two starts combined, all and given up eight earned. Darvish has been very good. Six and one, two two five ERA, .93 WHIP, eighty four strikeouts to get seventeen walks. What I'm surprised is Arietta has eleven decisions already. He's five and six. When you look at this game, you're going to chase our ace, you Darvish, and lay now up to two sixty five. Are you going to look at the run line? You're going to look at the total here at Petco in a day game, or are you going to go with the fake tough guy? <laughs> I'm going with my man, you Darvish, your guy too. And I got to give Josh Towers. That's his guy because I gave him a hard time a couple years ago in Chicago on Darvish, but. Uh, there's no way this fake tough guy is going to do anything. Padres here, run line, bounce back after the loss yesterday. Like this matchup. Darvish, to your point, you've been all over him this year. He has been tremendous for this team. You know, one of the things is DeGrom has been so dominant, so depending on his health, he's going to be the clear-cut favorite for the Cy Young. But I think you, Darvish, I would make the case has probably been the second-best pitcher in the National League all season long. My friend E and Gil's friend E, who lives in the San Diego area, went to the Padres game Saturday night to see DeGrom, and he texted me. He said, Funny, he, I know he's in the Richlands, Rancho Santa Fe, La Jolla. Come on. Maybe. He, uh, he texted me. He's a video game. TV doesn't do him justice watching this guy pitch. Well, remember, this is a guy that has an option of about six different pitches. He's unbelievable in terms of what he can do, and the ERA reflects that he's been dominant. And if you're the Padres, when you look at your pitching staff, and you've got a guy every fifth day you know is taking the baseball, and can stop any streak or extend a winning streak. I mean, it makes a huge difference. When we look at the Padres, we said, look at the offseason acquisitions. Darvish, mm-hmm. Snell, who hasn't been good, especially on the road. I still think he can turn it around, though. Okay. Um, Musgrove has been better than expected, yeah, I think. I, I'm not a believer in Musgrove full-time. Denilson Lamette uh, mm-hmm. still has a problem of, of going the distance and yeah. second time through the order. Correct. I think that if you can't develop Lamette into, into a number 2 starter by next year, you have to look at him as a reliever. I think that's a fair assessment. I don't think it's a bad thing. And the other thing I'll add to the Padres while you're going through that rotation, I think this team is going to be acquiring an arm come the trade deadline. Yeah, which won't make any difference because Jace Tingler is the worst in baseball. <laughs> Stay tuned for no hyperbole tomorrow money on, on follow the money. We'll, we'll have a Tingler reference. He's going to become the Anthony Lynn of this year with all the moves this guy's making. All right, let's move on to uh, Fenway. You liked the Astros yesterday. You were right on. Today we have uh, Jake Odorizzi taking on Nathan Evoldi. That's the ace we're mentioning here. Evoldi, he's been great. 7-2 and two for the Bo Sox. 3-7-80 ERA. 65 strikeouts against 14 walks. Taking on uh, Odorizzi, who's made his first year in Houston. Hasn't picked up a win yet. 7-16 ERA. He's gotten banged around here. It's only worked 16 in a third innings, of course, because he was on the disabled list or the injured list for so long. Not that big of a price today on the Bo Sox. Only really $1.35, $1.40 if you like Evoldi. Yeah, I, 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 this is a stay away from me, the way Houston is playing right now. Um, what do you think, think of this total of 10 again? Well, I don't think it's a bad number. Odorizzi's yeah. numbers are not good. Yeah. I think both teams can hit the baseball. You know, yesterday I think the game got so far out of hand, 7-1, to one, and then you just wind yeah. up with a situation you get through the outs. But, uh, Mike, I, I don't know if I want to touch this total, but slight-edged Boston, but no play here on the Red Sox. Okay, next ace is Garrett Cole, mm-hmm. who I don't think you can quibble with about that. Six no, and, I'm not. Six and three for the Yankees, 2 2 ERA whip again. Below one, 104 strikeouts against 11 walks. Very impressive in 75 and two-thirds innings. He's at the target field tonight in Minneapolis taking on the Twins. Dobnik, who had a good year last year, has been bad this year. One and five, six, 19, one, four, four, whip. I'm surprised Cole isn't a bigger favorite here, but we've seen how anemic the Yankees' offense has been. And lay a dollar, a dollar eighty with Garrett Cole tonight. Get back a dollar sixty-five with Dobnik. Total of eight, shaded a little bit to the under. Yeah, again, Mike, I'm not a big fan of laying these types of prices on the road, but against Minnesota, a team is 24-36. and 36. They're just not good. Uh, I think Cole could be dominant in this matchup here. The question is, do you believe the Yankees are going to score some, some runs against Randy Dobnik? If you do, then you could take a look at this uh, game on the Yankees' run line. But for me, I, I would look at Cole if you're parlaying in with somebody. I don't want to lay this straight away. You mentioned you like betting teams that lose. They're on a, sh- a losing streak like the Padres were yeah. uh, going into the first game with the Cubs and now today when they lost last night. How about Cole? He had a bad outing against Tampa Bay uh, last time out. They got beat 7-1. to one. 
Uh, do you like what bounce back spot for Cole here? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good opportunity here for him to really perform well. I, I think this is one where if he's going to do it, this is a good Minnesota team to do it against. This is a team that has struggled all year long. I said it was a, a good pitching matchup last night at, at, uh, at Cellular One on the south side of Chicago. Robbie Ray was outstanding. Carlos Rondon wasn't that bad either. I ended up betting that game after the first inning, first five under three and a half, and got there one nothing. White Sox rallied to win that game. Another good pitching matchup tonight. Alex Manoa, who won his first start at Yankee Stadium, wasn't as good against the Marlins at home last time out, uh, takes on Big Daddy. Lance then, I mean, this guy just continues to impress later in his career. 7-1 and one with a 1-2-3 ERA, whip under one here. See the White Sox favored tonight about $1.50 against the Baby Jays. Are you interested in taking a shot with Manoa against Lance Lynn? Oh, by the way, why do we have a picture that looks like that came from a sentencing hearing? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just not a believer in Lance Lynn with these numbers. Okay, I get it. He is extremely well. But you're talking about him being the ace on this team. What, did you forget about Rodon yesterday? And then, of course, Lucas Giolito will get things turned around as the season continues to progress. I'm not saying Lynn's the uh, ace here, but uh, this is not a bad price on this team, the way they're playing. When you look at how well they've performed overall, I I think you have to strongly consider this team. Let's take a look at these four starters in terms of how they are in the Cy Young race. The only one that we hold a ticket on them all is you, Darvish, at 20-1, to which we bet earlier in the year. But these pitchers uh, line up pretty good. If you look at the AL to begin with, Garrett Cole, still the odds-on favorite, minus $1.50. Shane Bieber, last year's Cy Young winner at plus $6.00. Tyler Glass now plus six dollars. Is Lance Lynn at seven and one with an ERA um, b- below a, a dollar and a half here, below a buck fifty at ten to one? The value in this in this choices? Um, I would think so. I think he's a guy that's very dangerous in this spot at ten to one. Evoldi uh, forty to one, but I don't think with an ERA north of the uh, three fifty, he's got much of a shot. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. What about Tyler Glass now? I mean, this is a guy yesterday, uh, they win the game, I think it was a 3-1-4-1 against the Nationals. Uh, he has pitched very well for the Tampa Bay Rays. Good opportunity here as he continues trending in the right direction. And Darvish, we see we got him at 20-1. to Currently, he's 18-1. to When we come back, senior NHL analyst for the NHL Network, EJ Raddick, will join us to talk about all things Lord Stanley. That's not next on The Nuts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Boost of bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the largest offer of live in-play options. BetRivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9. With it, Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. And Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palman. He's Amal Shaw. And we're pleased to have E.J. Raddick, senior reporter for the NHL Network, Join us at this time. EJ, I want to start off with the game on Long Island tonight. Barry Trotz won a Stanley Cup. Then he went to the Islanders last year, advanced to the Eastern Finals in the bubble, took a team that was worst in the league goals against to best in the Eastern Conference. They lead 3-2, and yet Boston still favored on Long Island tonight. Are the betters justified in backing the Bruins? Well, I think that the, the betters look at the Bruins and, and they see, you know, Pasternak and, and Bergeron and Marchand and a really uh, an experienced group of players that has the ability to win on the road and really could have easily won game five. I thought they had the better of the play for most of the game. And with their back against the wall uh, in a must-win situation, I feel like they're going to force a game seven. So I could certainly see that line of thinking. Uh, the only thing I'd be concerned about is, uh, and it's a pretty big thing, is the Bruins are still going to be without some key players on defense uh, with Brandon Carlo being hurt earlier in the series in game three, hasn't played since big, long, hard to play against right shot defenseman. And then Kevin Miller is another guy that's been out for a while. So that takes a lot of the bite and a lot of the, uh, the nasty and, and the length and the hard to play against uh, miss, so to speak, if that's a phrase uh, takes it out of the Bruins lineup. So, you know, I expect a really good tight game tonight. I think it's kind of a toss-up in that regard, but uh, I am concerned from a Boston standpoint that when you're missing two guys that uh, that make it hard for the opponent to, to 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 get good chances when they're not in the lineup, that creates a little problem for me. And Tukaras, the goaltender, has had some health issues. He, he was pulled the other day. He's starting tonight, so he's healthy enough to go, but you know you still have a little bit of a concern there. EJ, my concern from a Boston perspective is the number of power plays they're affording the New York Islanders. So far, 19 in this series. We see the Islanders capitalize once again in game number five with three power play goals. I believe they have six in total in this series, almost around just short of 33%. On the five-on-five play, I think Boston's the better team, but the lack of discipline concerns me heading into game six. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that would be something to be concerned about. We know the coach, Bruce Cassidy, made a point of uh, kind of reminding everyone after the game his uh, kind of disillusionment with the way the games are being called. He's not saying that his team hasn't taken some penalties. He feels that the Islanders are taking penalties that are not been, have not been called. Uh, interestingly, in that game, Nick Ritchie was fined for an elbow that was not called in the game. So that was another penalty that could have been called against the Boston Bruins that wasn't. So, uh 
I'll be curious to see if his post-game comments, which cost him, I think, $25,000 fine for the league, if they have, if they play into this game at all, you know, referees are human beings, and, uh, you know, this is an important game, and we saw, you know, I think we always see as the, these games go deeper into the series, the officials tend to let them play more, which, you know, that's a whole different discussion about how that works, but the reality is, you know, you saw a game last night, Vegas and Colorado, an important game five, and there was, I think, one penalty on each side, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I get the sense that tonight, the game, uh, unless it gets really out of hand, they're probably they're going to probably let them play a little bit more, which means fewer penalties. But you're right to be concerned because uh, you don't want to put teams on the power play in the postseason. Talking with EJ Raddick, senior reporter for the NHL Network, I was just about to go there. Uh, last night in Denver, we saw only two penalties called. I thought that made a very clean, flowing game, and it, and it was a great game to watch and a great rally by the Knights. Talk to me about how Colorado deals with the emotional letdown of blowing a two-goal lead. Amal and I commented earlier in the show, looking at the faces of the Colorado players after the stone goal in overtime, you'd have thought that was a Game 7 loss, the way they reacted to it. They now have to go to one of the toughest venues to play in here at T-Mobile and somehow rally, they were clearly outplayed during the 120 minutes of play in games three and four here. What do you think of Colorado's chances to even this series and then pull it off in game seven in Denver? Well, I don't like them. I didn't like, I, I actually didn't, I was kind of surprised the Avalanche were leading 2 nothing after two periods last night. I mean, they got a gift goal where uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who was really brilliant after that, uh, just inexplicably made a strange decision to try to go, you know, almost like a baseball player to try to, you know, come across his body with his glove and catch it. The puck eluded him in the, like the dying seconds, literally seconds of the uh, first period. But uh, he responded in the second because the Avalanche played their best period uh, probably since game one in period number two. It easily could have been ahead by uh, three or four goals. And uh, in the third period, it was just a case where the Colorado Avalanche, like a lot of teams before them that have high skill players, they have to learn what it takes to win in big moments. And uh, right in the first minute of the third period, uh, Burakovsky, instead of making the simple play and getting it out of the zone, tried to go across ice. They lose the puck. It ends up in their net. Uh, they're on a four on two rush, and they try to make kind of a high risk pass. Landis Scott tries to go across to Ryan Graves, hits him in the back of the skate, leads to a three on one the other way. And the Knights are able to tie it up. And then in overtime, uh, you know, again, they're a little too aggressive. Uh, McCarr comes off the bench, uh, shoots down low to the left side of the net. Ryan Graves can't get pucks through, which is hard to do in the postseason. And that's maybe why you don't commit as a defenseman to go down that low. And, uh, you know, they come the other way and Mark Stone finishes it off with a great shot. So, uh, you know, for me, I think it's going to be very difficult. I thought the Avs made some good adjustments in their game. Uh, especially in the second period, they they made some short dumps and tried to create foot races and get their forecheck going, and they were successful. They got away from that a little bit. And again, I just think the experience level of the Knights and the size and the strength of the Knights, I think, has been playing out in this series. And so I would be very surprised if Colorado was able to win game six. Yeah, I want to follow up. This this Colorado team of Bednar and Grubauer, McKinnon, Landeskog, uh, Kale McCarr, if the Knights are able to eliminate them, this is their third straight second round exit from the Western Conference playoffs. ESPN 30 for 30 did did one on Marcus Dupree, the best that never was. Is there a part two on the best that never was on the Colorado Avalanche? No, I, I you know what? I think we could have made that part two on the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Mm -hmm. Like for several years. I mean, just think two years ago, they had an unbelievable season. They were by far the best team in the league. They were challenging for the points record in a single season. And they were they were swept in four games because uh, the playoffs are a different animal, and you have to be you know everything has to kind of fall in place. And you know in that particular year, Tampa had a couple of guys that were playing through injury, and uh, you know it just was bad timing for them. The Washington Capitals, many many years trying to figure it out. The St. Louis Blues, many years trying to figure it out. So. Uh, I think we're early in the game. I love the Avalanche uh, roster. I think they're loaded with really talented players. I think that, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to win this series based on where we're at right now. And I think in the aftermath of that, if it does happen, uh, Joe Sackick will have to make some assessments of where things, you know, the, the pieces that need to be fit in. 
I think right now, in particular, they're missing a guy like Eric Johnson, who hasn't played a lot this season because of a number of injuries and concussion problems. But he's certainly someone that would have, I think, if healthy, made a big impact in this series because right now what's in vogue in this league is, and maybe it's always been in vogue, is just long, strong, uh, hard-to-play-against defensemen. I mean, Petrangelo in in Vegas, uh, you know, 6'2", 6'3", long reach, hard to play against, sets the table for the rest of that group. Headman in, in Tampa, 6'6", you know, a great skater, long stick, hard to play against, sets the table for, for Tampa. In Montreal, they've got four guys that are big, strong, long, hard to play against guys. So, you know, that's an area where I think that the, the Colorado Avalanche probably needs to look to improve. The Tampa Bay Lightning are sitting at home. Andre Vasilevsky has been tremendous particularly in that series against the Hurricanes. Is this team, in your opinion, now the odds-on favorite, potentially looking at getting a little bit of additional rest if the Islanders and Bruins go to a seventh game? To me, I thought the addition of Nikita Kucherov in terms of the postseason, we saw the power play just light up offensively. It just seemed like they're firing on all cylinders at the right time, EJ. Is this, in your opinion now, despite BGK, Colorado, Montreal, and, of course, the aforementioned Isles and Bruins, the team to beat? Yeah, I mean, they're, defend- they're defending champions, and they're complete. Uh, you know, they have great balance throughout their team. I mean, you know, like, you're going to match up with them, right? Like, your goalie maybe could be as good, but he's certainly not going to be as better than that Blessy, right? I mean, like, Flurry's been really good. Maybe he could on a head-to-head matchup. Maybe he'll be as good. I don't think he'll be better. Uh, you look at defense, right? They start with Victor Hedman as, you know, in your group of defensemen. Victor Hedman is the best defenseman in the NHL, in my view, as we speak, right? Is is Alex Petrangelo really good? Yeah. Is he, is, can he be as good as Hedman? Maybe. But is he going to be better? I don't think so. So when you go through all these teams and all these different matchups, I mean, that's a great place to start for Tampa. They they got real definitions throughout the team. In the clincher against the, uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes last night, I mean, they got a lot out of their fourth line of Tyler Johnson, Patrick Maroon, and Russ Colton. So, I mean, they're just a hard team to deal with. Right now, guys, the way it looks to me, it seems like it's Tampa and Vegas in a final. I mean, there's a lot to happen between now and then, and certainly Tampa will not have an easy road, uh, you know, against Boston or the Islanders. And I could probably say the same Montreal is on a little bit of a run. It'll be, I think, because there will be, they are such an underdog uh, in a series against Vegas that, you know, they have a puncher's chance to me because they have a team that can have success in the playoffs with a really good goaltender, some hard-to-play-against defensemen, and they've got a number of forwards that they can choose from. So, uh, But it looks like to me at the end of it right now, based on what I've seen, Vegas and Tampa are probably the teams in the final. And, you know, I think that'll be a hell of a matchup. Thank you for the time, EJ. EJ Raddick, you can find him at EJ Raddick underscore NHL on Twitter. That's H-R-A-D-E-K. Thank you, EJ. You got it, guys. Thank you. Terrific points, and uh, what a final that would be if we get Lightning and VGK. That would be unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely right. Thanks for tuning in to Nuts today. Stay tuned to VEASAN. Up next, betting across America. VEASAN, the sports betting network. Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.